From Solaris by Stanislaw Lem We all know that we are material creatures, subject to the laws of physiology and physics, and not even the power of all our feelings combined can defeat those laws. All we can do is detest them. The age-old faith of lovers and poets in the power of love, stronger than death, that finis vitae, said non amoris, is a lie, useless and not even funny. So must one be resigned to being a clock that measures the passage of time, now out of order, now repaired, and whose mechanism generates despair and love as soon as its maker sets it going? Are we to grow used to the idea that every man relives ancient torments, which are all the more profound because they grow comic with repetition? That human existence should repeat itself, well and good, but that it should repeat itself like a hackneyed tune or a record a drunkard keeps playing as he feeds coin into the jukebox. This is Gothic. The Gothic Podcast is a horror and humor actual play audio drama. As such, it contains material, including our jokes, that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey there, Sojourners, and welcome to another episode of The Gothic Podcast. We return now to our various characters in space. In space! Where they are confronting a variety of different problems and issues. However, tonight we're going to start on Wednesday Station, floating above its gas giant, that planet's atmosphere roiling down below, unheard, but the intensity of it, the massive power of it, felt even on board the station. We go, though, into the dark passages of the Central East Tunnel, where Maisie and Jules have just rescued, sort of, Axel out of the maintenance hatch, where he encountered both a strangely armored hunter of some sort, and the prey, a terrible creature that ripped itself apart and killed, perhaps, the hunter. But more importantly for Maisie and Jules and Axel, Maisie has uh, lifted up her hand and seen that the blood that she has wiped away from Axel is indeed white, and Axel is an android, and Jules and Maisie have taken one level of stress from this. We pick up there. Holy crap, you guys get stressed just because I'm an android? Yeah, it's the act of revealing... You're supposed to do that in a Cockney accent. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun! Now do that in a Cockney accent. Dun, dun, dun! I don't know. (laughs) What are you... Anyway, okay. um... Oh, my! 
Sorry. So, as you've noticed, I've... I'm not like other children. You're definitely not like other boys. I'll say. We need to get somewhere safe right now. There is... No, you listen to me, young man. You were taking resources that you didn't even need. If you only knew how young I was, and I'm not a man, we should go now. And I'd just start heading down the hall. I tend to agree with our mechanical friend. Maybe we could have this conversation elsewhere. Hmm. Well, I'm only walking this direction because it's the only reasonable way to go. Oh, Jesus. Axel, that kind of depends. Which direction did you go? Are you headed back toward the hub of the space station where the main engineering and the domes and everything are and the connections to the other tunnels? Or are you headed outward toward the dead ring to the east? Uh, no, back towards, uh, back towards the hub, actually. Jules isn't going to necessarily say anything to Maisie, but Jules knows as much as they're kind of, you know, not always friends that Maisie is no fool. So she gives her the knowing look like the... Yeah, there's probably one of those, like, very, uh, you know, th- like this is a telepathic conversation going on between <laughs> between two old ladies right now. Yeah, like the outsiders, like, like they just stare at each other for a moment and kind of have these knowing looks and they're like... Eyebrow mm-hmm. twitching, yeah, like pursed lips. Mm-hmm. There's some nodding, and then they move on. Last time, you put the cover back on the hatch opening uh, to the access tunnel where Axel came out of. You put it on loosely. You had to hand-tighten the bolts. But as you start to move after Axel, you hear something on the other side of that door. Something scratching, tapping against the far side of the metal hatch. I just, I want to bolt it closed again. Yeah, you have hand-bolted it closed. Okay, so... So there's clearly something on the other side of the door doing something. Yes. We've basically done what we can do without kind of, like, machinery... Yes. ...or equipment. Okay, all right. Also, there are other entrances into this passageway that runs parallel to the main corridor. Well, maybe I'll just... Maybe I'll just pause a moment, give one of those knowing looks to Jules, go over and tap out like a, like a, uh, some kind of, shaving a haircut. I'm going to tap out shaving a haircut on the door, just very gently with the top of my walking stick. From the other side of the hatch, you hear, help me. Oh, heavenly days. Jules. Jules wants to look around for a terminal. What she's going for is to see if there are any cameras in the other room that she can get access to. There's not going to be one right here, but uh, there is probably one on down the corridor to the east. Now, Axel, you have, with your much more sensitive android ears, heard a couple of things. One, that they aren't following you. Two, something about bolts. And, and then also footsteps moving away from you. Away from me in which direction? There's only one direction, other than the way you're going. The direction going. I was heading. Yeah, there's okay. east and west, so you're headed west, they're headed east, in the compass of the uh, space station. Uh, turn around and walk back to these wonderful ladies bickering. We really must be moving on. Um, it is not safe here. Mm-hmm. How do we know we should trust you? Mm-hmm. I poke him with my walking stick. What have you done? Who's behind this? This door? Um, Not this situation. It's not really a who. It's more of a what. Well, I think it's maybe time for you to spill your beans if you have more secrets in there. 
It is not human. Help! I was about to say something snarky about it's not human, but it can speak English, and well, here we are in your presence, so, you know. Jules, you did make it down the uh, corridor a little ways. Uh, You see what you're looking for. It is a sliding panel on the opposite side of the of the walls here from from the side that you guys have been accessing, and you you slide it up, and there is a terminal jack in there, but the terminal has long been scavenged. Hmm. Do I think it's something I could get up and running really quick, relatively quickly, or is this a uh, yeah? Ain't got time for that. Um. Well, you need some kind of keyboard or input of some sort. Does anybody have a terminal of any sort? <laughs> Axel, you you know that you could actually plug into this thing yourself. Yes. What are you trying to do? Oh, just cameras. I'd like to see what's going on in that room. Oh, I have no way of displaying. Maisie suddenly uh, becomes interested and goes over to join. <laughs> but if there's something that you needed to know, I believe I can find the answer. Information. We need information. What's going on? <sighs> Can't bake a cake without a recipe, now can we? (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jules, I've seen you make a cake by memory a thousand times. Well, yes, but I don't have many memories of alien life forms, so... Let me in there. Uh, Let me see what I can find out. And I would actually jack in, uh, and uh, the main thing that I'm searching for is... You actually can't quite do this on your own. It needs aid. Because the cables are going, well, the cables need to be pulled out of the wall, which is fine. But then they need to be like attached in certain places uh, on your neck that it's really hard for you to get to. If either of you know anything, and uh, I'll peel like a bit of skin off of my neck, if if we can access this panel, I can at least see if there are any other members of the station down this hallway. You notice that now that. Axel is is revealed to be an android, that his accent has changed from Cockney to uh, just straight-up British. God damn it. <laughs> I got to be more like this. <laughs> I got to sound like a beetle. <laughs> that's, that's Liverpool. That's completely different than Cockney. <laughs> but it'd still be funny. It's not funny to me. I'm just trying to do my job. I don't have any room to speak about uh, accents of my characters. <laughs> I believe I can manage. Come over here. If turn, or turn around and Maisie, please step out of my light. I got work to do. Yeah, sure. I'll move out of the way. She's a bit of a busybody, if you haven't noticed. What else is there to do on this station? I'll point. I'll pull out my laser pointer and like twist it so that it is more of a broad spectrum light. And would this be of any assistance? And hand it back to uh, Jules. Oh yes, Maisie here. Play with the laser pointer, dearie. What do you think I am, a kitty cat? Yeah, sure, I'll... I'll... And then I'm assuming you'd like a roll? Yeah, you start working on this, and I'm going to need a Comtech roll from you. About three of those clean off the table, but I did not. I have a copious amount of fives in that roll for some reason, but I do have one success. All right, that is enough. Not to do it awesomely or anything, but that's not unexpected given the state of these cables. There is some sparking, and what's your health at, Axel? Uh, five? Five total, but you took a lot. Oh, yeah, I did. Took at least three. I did take three. 
You take another one. <laughs> as, Ew, uh, great. These cables, which are not, they haven't been hooked up for a while. And there are shorts all along them that you feel now. And that just causes this whole, like, electrical backlash overload, uh, overload into your system. But uh, you are now hooked up. And you can see not just what you see with your axle eyes, but you can now see inside the matrix. You can now see the connections that this limited, this was a public terminal, so it's not, it, it doesn't have great access. It doesn't have access to the, the labs or even to the central hub. It, it has access to this corridor and to the basic computer systems. But since it does have access to this corridor, uh, you know that with your own ComTech, you can now try to access the sections of this corridor that you aren't supposed to be able to access from this terminal spot, which would be the security systems and the security cameras. Okay. Give me a ComTech. And that's my ComTech plus my wits? Uh, so yes, it is ComTech plus wits. Uno success. You find the camera systems for the passages. You find that there are indeed some inside of the service tunnels that are that just honeycomb the corridor itself, the whole spoke that goes out from the central hub. And they're not great. Many of them are offline, but you can access ones that are reasonably close to where you just were. And you do so, and on, in your inner sphere of existence, a, a, a big rectangle comes up, and you can kind of see inside of your own head what this camera is seeing. And it's overlaid over what you, Axel, are seeing outward from yourself. It, it's kind of a greenish, dark visual. And it's some ways away from the door that you just came out of. But you can see down that way, you can see the hole in the floor where the creature had been thrashing. That creature is no longer there. There's just a hole in the floor. And you can see a stain leading snake-like from that hole up to the hatch that Maisie and Jules pulled you through. And there at the door is a figure, humanoid. You're quite a ways away, this camera is. And you, so you can't see details, but the figure is leaned up against the door, one hand kind of pressed up against it, held up there by its own, own weight of the body against the hatchway. What are your android eyes see? Well, for starters, um, I think... I think the f odd fellow that I met is still might be alive. I don't know what kind of shape he's in. I'm putting us all at danger if we try to rescue him, though. We really should get out of here. Even as you say that, Axel, you see approaching from beyond him. Nope, nope, nope. Okay, go ahead. Two figures in line, both dressed exactly the same as the one that you met. And... They come up to him and look around, and then they look at him, and one of them pushes him uh, with his foot, and he falls over, 
And you, Maisie, being the closest to the hatch, which is a little ways back down the corridor now, but you do hear a thump from back there. You don't know what that means because Axel hasn't been relaying all of this, but you do hear a thump from behind the the hatch, something mm-hmm. louder than what the scratching and the tapping was. Then, Axel, you see one of the figures unlimber something from his back and point it at the body, and then just flames just pour out into the service corridor, uh, blinding your camera because of the difference in lighting. It can't handle the the adjustment. Get this out. Get this out of me. Get this out of me. We got to go. We got to go now. There's nothing we can do for him. What did you see? What did you see? What, what's happened? What's happened? We need to get safe first. And if I need to, I'll yank the cables out myself and just grab the both and start hustling down the corridor. Now, Jules will start taking it out. She, and he said it, she would have started then. But So, yeah, Axel's trying to yank out the cables, but you bat his hands away. And if he doesn't press the issue, then you won't have any trouble getting him unhooked. And then do I will you not press. Yeah, let's, let's go, yeah. Will. I think I'm convinced we'll scoot. I would be leading them back towards the hub, um, and I would um, explain some of what had happened along the way. Okay, so I met a strange um, soldier-type fellow down the hallway, and then we were attacked by what seemed like... Oh, jeez, this sucks so bad, with my horrible accent switching. (laughs) (laughs) You can can explain. It's part of your your programming's degrading or something. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Uh, 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 somebody I'd met in the corridor had a very special ops kind of military air to him. And then we were attacked by these things. They they looked kind of humanoid-like, but their, their heads were misshapen. They were all dark. I couldn't tell if they were wearing leather or if it was some kind of insect-like carapace. I just... We need to get out of here. We need to get back to the hub. We need to get safe. We need to let somebody know. But what can we do? What can we do? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I plan to do. And you should do the same thing, too. We can stay alive. I'm going to pack up all of my stuff, and I'm going to leave. Well, I suppose that is one plan, but I feel like there's work to be done here. Mm. I pat her on the shoulder. Well, good luck. At this point, you have made it past the the coupling that uh, connects the spoke to the hub, and you move into the tunnels that here are still separate from the main bulk of the hub itself for most access to areas of, of the engineering sections and so forth, which would be on this level. You need special passcodes and things. So the access that you all have here is to the other spokes going out to the other rings and to the dome side of the of the hub where the agricultural domes are and the parks and such. So where are you headed, Axel? I am headed to You have a place that you hang out other than the central east passages, the dark passages? Um, I want to think that it's like near where I normally, what I would normally call uh, my my quarters, but it's like hidden. It's like down an odd shaft that I've uh, set aside to um, 
set up some computer equipment to access kind of more of a mainframe of the station as well as uh, have spare parts for myself. So regular residences that would be affordable by um, most of you are going to be down um, in the West Ring. Is there a more direct corridor towards that or are we going back to like the main thoroughfare and then cutting back in? You were in the east corridor, so it's just a straight shot. You don't, you just don't take the turn that would take you um, back down the north passage to the okay. north ring, where the commissary and the other restaurants and shops and such are. M- most direct route is where I'm going, uh, mostly because I need to repair myself. And as you head down the uh, west passage, you are encountering more people. The lighting becomes better. The noise level goes up. There are even some electric carts that are moving up and down the corridor. Maisie, Jules, are either or both of you continuing to follow Axel? Or, Maisie, you seem to indicate you wanted to go pack your things. Where do you live? This was an idea I had early on. I think I probably have set up relatively close to Axel. And, uh, and that's kind of why I have this like animosity towards him is that me and his like gang of kids are kind of competing for local resources. And, and, uh, so I think we're probably doing that thing where we're like, I'm like pretending I'm not like walking in the same direction. It's like when you say goodbye to somebody and then you're walking in the same direction. I'm like, uh, I'm doing that thing where I'm like trying to pretend we're not going in the same way. And Jules, are you following? Oh goodness, I have. No intention of letting him out of my sight. Maisie also, I'm going to take, as we get into like more populated areas, take the shawl that's been around my shoulders and put it over my hair so I look older and I'm kind of like relying a little more on my cane as I'm going. Do either of you trust any of the gods in the station? Oh, absolutely not. What, are you crazy? She makes a valid point. We really must warn somebody. There aren't a lot. It's a private security firm that runs security for the station now. What do we tell them? They're going to say we're crazy. They're going to say we're old coots who have our mind. They wouldn't do anything even if we were young and strong, my friend. Well, I think that they actually might know a little bit more than we do and can uh, fill in some of these blanks. Well, you may be right. They may know more than we do. Listen, kid, that's exactly what I'm talking about. They always know more than you do, and they don't have your best interests at heart. Mm. It pains me to say this, but again, she's right. (laughs) And that's the feeling I had. At the end of the corridor is an elevator system that goes down the secondary spokes that go to the outer ring of the West Ring itself. It's a little bit disturbing because the ring spins, of course. So the connection here also has to spin. And so... You actually have to step out onto a spinning floor that can be disturbing for some people because gravity then is always going to be toward the floor. So anybody else that you see in there, it just looks like they're just in a big, like a a big spinner, like a big washing machine. But you're able to, you know, you, you have lived here long enough. Certainly Axel can do it easily. And I'm going to assume that the others of you can as well just easily step out onto this and then choose the correct elevator that will take you uh, closest to the sections you're headed for. Uh, You step into that and there 
are a couple of other people in the elevator. There's Muzak playing. It's uh, some, you know, new... That's not it. It's a <laughs> new techno punk stuff, but without any uh, without any vocals. It's just the. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. this is my jam. <laughs> it's just acoustic. <laughs> it's it's the uh, the ten billionth remix of Vivaldi's Vivaldi's uh, Spring. And soon enough, uh, you are crowding into Axel's room. What does that look like? Axel? As you come in, it's really, it's really, really bare. Um, it's very Spartan-like. Uh, the, uh, things are folded neatly. Uh, there's just the bed. It's it's nicely made. Um, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of extras going on like around the room. No posters, no pictures, nothing like that. Um, and uh, he lifts up his bed and moves it aside to uh, an air duct grate. How do you feel about uh, crawling through a little space about, you know, seven feet by seven feet? Oh, tiny. Seven feet by seven feet. It's, it's only for a few yards. I, I wouldn't be able to fit seven feet. It's so small. I'm like four foot nine. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't think she's that small. But Yeah. Are you saying it's seven feet long? Yes. Not seven feet high, because that's pretty high. Right. How, how wide is it then? So I thought you were saying... Oh, it's... It's not very tall. It's only about three feet, but the width is seven feet, and it goes in about two, three yards. Well, you know, just normally when someone says seven feet by seven feet, they mean height and width, not length. Yes, well, you crazy American. No, I'm kidding. I was <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to convert. I wanted to put it in meters, actually. <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't be long to go down there. It's just a little bit of a crawl. Where are we going? Where are we going again? Is it your room? It's, it, it is the real my room. Sounds delightful. Let's get this little playground crawl over with. I would go ahead and then help them out when they get to the other side, if they're following. Yeah, sure. Okay, where do you find yourselves? It's, it, looks, it looks a little bit like a old storage shed or a uh, storage closet, um, but like a, a bigger one. And... It's got pieces and bits and and all kinds of mechanisms that look like they could be uh, replacement pieces for an android or for somebody who has lost a limb, some prosthetic pieces, um, as well as lots of fiber optics and uh, chip cards. And, and you see a couple of large screens that uh, has a small computer terminal that is currently showing like the layout of the station. And it's got little... Uh, I want to say pins, like like you see a map on a wall and it's got pins in it, except for it's just like little um, like dot lights for areas that Axel has explored throughout the station. I'm going to immediately start looking around and see if there's anything that I could like reasonably palm and slip into a pocket without anyone noticing. Anything that's worth taking, I guess. Jules will also take a good look around the room and say, Hmm, you've been very busy. It looks like... You were driving towards something. What? What's this all about? It's it's mostly just to keep up appearances. I'm. This is mostly where I find ways to repair myself after I've taken a tumble or such. Um, if if one of you wouldn't mind helping me, and I'd start pulling out like some of the fiber optics to replace, uh, as well as like skin grafts and stuff to replace some of the sections that have been damaged. Um, 
pulling out like a hydraulic fluid that is uh, really light colored um, to um, reintroduce into my system for what I have lost. Um, and I uh, try to work with somebody on doing some kind of healing. Maisie, go ahead and make a manipulation roll. Now, Axel and Jules, uh, you can both make observation rolls in order to catch Maisie doing this. Oh, and you guys are still rolling stress for this, aren't you? Yeah, I still have a stress dice, don't I? That's a lot of dice. <laughs> I got one success and one failure. I don't remember if a failure does anything if it's on black dice. Failures don't do anything if they're not on your stress die. Cool. Stress die is nothing. It was a five. And I have two successes on observation. Okay. And Axel? Uh, just one. Ops, just one. Okay. I was I was helping Jules out of the, the conduit. Actually, yeah. I mean, both Axel and Jules are going to see <laughs> Maisie doing something. Now, Blatantly Axel, picking stuff up and taking it. <laughs> yeah. Axel, you just see... Maisie, you're a little distracted, but you just see Maisie kind of messing around with some some of your stuff. Jules, you actually see Maisie uh, pocket uh, some small piece of electronics. What what is that ele- uh, piece of ele- electronics, Maisie? Uh, it might be useful to have something something that you could use to much like Axel did earlier, like hook into um, camera systems. So either like a view screen or a space thumb drive or something. I'm trying to look at gear. What you're probably looking for is a a cable that would allow a, a connection like that, or yeah, a an iPad like yeah. you know, tablet. Yeah, a tablet. <laughs> it's an old sort. 264 meg uh, uh, SD card. <laughs> it's a Gen One iPod. <laughs> You are able to snatch an Atari. <laughs> 2600 or 5200? 5400, sorry. No, you're so you get this cracked tablet that you're able to slip into your carpet bag. Now, Jules, you do see this. Do you do, do or say anything? Uh, actually, no. Jules is just going to kind of, you know, glance, look at it, and turn her head away, like almost purposefully. So, you know, she's not hiding the fact that she noticed it from Maisie, more from Alex, or sorry, Axel. Would you ladies like to see what I saw down the corridor? Oh, very much. I'll just need this tablet that I put over here. <laughs> yeah. If you wouldn't mind helping me uh, connect, um, now that you have done it, um, and I pull out the wires necessary to, to connect to the two video screens that I have on the wall, and, and hand them back towards and show the flap again to be connected. So now that you've done it once, Jules, there's no pressure here. It's not, you're not trying to do it fast or anything, so there's no need for you to roll at this point. Uh, you're just able to hook it up. And then pretty soon, up on the screens comes that greenish view of the camera, which uh, apparently is some sort of night vision-capable uh, camera that's in the access tunnel. And you see what Axel saw. Uh, you see these armored figures. They are wearing almost like long coats of a sort, uh, cross between like a trench coat and a lab coat, heavy leather with plates on it at elbows and shoulders of some sort of rubber-like, heavy-duty rubber-like material, uh, steel mesh. And they have different weapons. One has a strange musket-like thing, which Axel described on the way back as 
as shooting a net of some sort. The other one has a tube that is attached to a backpack that you soon enough find out is a flamethrower as he or she points it down at their fallen comrade and pulls the trigger. And in that moment of light, you see them all lit up, that their helmets are sleek and black, mirrored uh, with those night vision goggles implanted into the glass of the front itself. And then the camera flares out as as it's overloaded by the light of the fire. Heavenly days! <clears throat> Sorry, that came out really squeaky. <laughs> Heavenly days. Yes. Oh my, oh my. I fear that everyone on this station might be in danger, and I think if we can, we need to do something about it. My advice, kid, find anyone you care about and take them away. If it's not safe here, you go someplace else. I wish I could access my memory bank from before the accident, but it seems like the damage I took might have um, severed that connection. Uh, if if one of you would be so kind as to help me put, um, well, myself back together, that would be uh, quite quite grand, if, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, oh, of course, I'd love to help plumb the depths of your mechanical contraptions. All right, so this will take a calm tech. Uh, because you are now attempting to do repairs upon an android. Have you ever done such repairs before, Jules? <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> actually, let's actually. Uh, she is not unfamiliar with uh, synthetic life forms. Uh, she doesn't appear to be an expert at all. But by uh, surprisingly enough, she she seems to. No way around a little bit. I'm telling you, we're all androids, every single one of us. <laughs> My fan theory. <laughs> it is going to take a little while because Axel has sustained a great deal of damage, both physical, primarily physical, where the net was just cutting into his systems, crushed some servos here and there too, and electronically, internally, when you hooked him into that uh, terminal in the tunnels. Maisie, you can hang out during this time and and sort of calm down yourself. Uh, Both you and Jules will get a level of stress reduced for spending some time here not being assailed by horrible images and sounds. Yeah, I think that, you know, Maisie's blustered a lot about Wanting to leave immediately, but seeing a, even though he's a synthetic life form, like, you know, in distress and damaged and asking for help that looks like a small child. Well, I don't know how small, but looks like a, looks like a boy, you know, older I think teenager. that, uh, older teenager. Okay. <laughs> well, That's not what I was imagining at all. Yeah, well, no, okay. Mid teens, mid teens, like 15, 16, 17. That's, oh, that's, that's worse fish. because those are the boys that's... that need the most help. Uh, and uh, no, I think I think watching uh, watching Jules sit down and start to start to work on trying to help him. I think Maisie, after a while, just wordlessly would come over and you know start handing her things and you know holding his hair out of the way or whatever. 
Well, and I would actually be doing a lot of this myself, but um, judging Jules's ability to understand the systems, that's kind of what I'm looking for out of having somebody assist in case I ever do um, suffer a system shutdown and cannot repair myself. I'm hoping to find allies to be able to provide that help if I need it. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing with asking somebody to assist is to see if they're capable of helping in a situation that might be just thinking ahead um, to keep my systems running. Uh, who wants to help whom here for Axel's repairs? I'll do the assist for Jules. That makes sense. All right, Jules, there's uh, plenty of gear for this sort of thing. Looks like Axel has been picking up bits and pieces of maintenance gear for a while. Some of it looks like it may not even be from the station. And uh, yeah, so I'm just going to need a com tech roll from you. You get an extra die because of Axel's help. And uh, sitting here doing this, we all reduce our stress level, right? And by th by this point, I'm going to say that you've also just the focus, Jules, on doing this, you know, has lowered your stress. Uh, so you each, Jules and Maisie, will have one less stress than what you did coming into the room. Cool. And again, you guys will notice that, like, Jules seems pretty familiar with the tools, especially. And she's fumbling around and, and finding the, the tools she needs. Uh, those seem very familiar, too. The, the Android inner workings uh, don't seem so familiar, but she also doesn't seem to be completely lost, either. So she's working away and making a little roll over here. Um, huh, okay. She's also going to be uh, chit-chatting a little with, with Axel. So, Axel, I do have one little thought. Something that has occurred to me. You may have noticed I've well, not the first synthetic I've ever seen, but I've never seen one who was, well, unattached. Yes, that's kind of a mystery to me, too. Um, I don't quite know where I came from, to be honest. I came to consciousness, I was on the station, and I've just kind of been here ever since. Hmm. So peculiar. When when was this? This was about three months ago. Oh, oh, I'm reevaluating how old I think of him in my head. <laughs> well, yeah, it would have been more recent when you guys had met Axel. Yeah. Just seemed to um, appear during one of the, you know, odd droppings off of, you know, settlers moving from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. So it didn't seem too out of the ordinary, but it's only been a few months. Mm. Already ingratiated himself with the kids and um, knows uh, enough of the people. Because that's all he does is gather information, trying to f figure out a little bit more about Axel and and what's going on here in the station. Would you, would you say you seem driven? I I have no actual purpose or any particular kinds of programming to lead me in a certain direction. Um, actually, um, right there, we're going to need to actually add in a little bit of the fiber optics. Um, I've got a nice connector here and here, there to there. Thank you very much. Oh, yes, yes, here you go. I see, I see. So when you were referring to the accident, that was the one that happened today and not one that happened three months ago causing you to wake up with this loss of memory. All I really have are the memories since then. Mm. Mm. Well, you seem to be quite the mystery on yourself. 
It seems, from from what I've gathered, uh, you both have been on the station quite a while. Um, how long have you been at this station? Bless you. So sorry. <laughs> that one kind of snuck up on me there. It, it's okay. It'll, it'll match the uh, color of the uh, hydraulic <laughs> fluids that run through, <laughs> through my system. <laughs> well, I guess now we're related. <laughs> As Axel asked that, how long you've been on the station? Uh, the repairs are are coming to a close. Uh, what did you roll? I got one whole success. One whole success. All right. So not the best job ever, but uh, well, it's not that it's not competent. It just took a while. And did you say you wanted to access the you know try to show what you had seen earlier? <laughs> did I say um, that? <laughs> uh, no, I did. Oh, good. Um, That's why I said that out loud. <laughs> okay, you saw the one things. Are you prepared to see what I was trying to tell you about earlier? You have the right connectors here. You can do the connection yourself, actually. Yeah. And you do so, and those screens on the wall light up. And before, the picture was bad because of the night vision and, and the poor quality of the cameras in the access tunnels. But not nearly this bad, because a an android's memories are not... It's a neural network that is uh, very similar to the human brain. It's not got like a, oh, here's a, here's a, a file that I can download from earlier today. Here's what I saw. And so it's scratchy. It's jerky. It's impressionistic. But it also isn't of the access tunnel. What you see are men in armor, Marines in armor. You see guns flashing. You see things moving among them, ripping off heads, skewering them with long prehensile reptilian tails, black forms moving quick, things that should not ever exist anywhere. But these things overrunning these marines with armor and weapons. And that, I'm afraid, Jules and Macy is going to give you a stress die. Oh, dear. <laughs> As those images shock you and Axel, because, Axel, you have no conscious memory of these images, we're going to cut away and go to the Pescado Malo as it drifts through space, getting ready to fire its engines up to point it toward Wednesday Station. Bosco, uh, you, after performing admirably down in the hold, recovering the cryo chamber and its structure, uh, you have uh, returned to your room. What do we see here? Bosco's room? Oh, hell, it ain't much. Just where I kick my feet up, relax, chill out. I mean, mostly it's a lot of snacks. I gotta be honest with you. If you're looking around my room, don't judge me. You'd like to be prepared. A lot of snacks. So it's a cluttered room? I mean, clutter's kind of a harsh word. I mean, the maid hadn't been around in a while, and I ain't much for picking up, but uh, it, it's my humble little abode, and I like it. And so what what are you doing in here, Bosco? What's your, what's your downtime? Do you have stress? Yeah, that's a good question. What does Bosco do in his downtime? <laughs> 
<laughs> Remember, we're we're a PG thirteen show. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Bosco's the guy that like he likes. You know, he's the he is the uh, space trucker to the core. So you know, when it comes to just this isn't just a job. This is a way of life for him. So he's probably got uh, the equivalent of magazines. But they're space trucker magazine. So instead of you know the, uh, the uh, big four before trucks, it's got like custom spaceship modifications, uh, which have no real practical purpose, mind you. This isn't uh, these aren't efficiency mods. These are things that just look cool, do fun stuff, and um, you know. So he, he's slipping through that. This is like the redneck technical manual of how to juice up your ride for space truckers. <laughs> <laughs> Pimp my spaceship. <laughs> Presented by Bosco. Bosco's just like he's even got some like really bad sketches of things as he wish he could do to the ship. Oh man, the 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 racing stripes patients just shot down immediately and the uh the you know the the hot rod style flames. Uh <laughs> absolute no from patients on that one. He's like, look, I know it doesn't make any sense. But if we added some more chrome, I'm telling you, it would look really cool. It's expensive and does nothing for us. But you're missing the point. There is none. You have not presented me with a valid point. Remembering this conversation, Bosco just shakes his head and, and flips open the magazine to a picture of a heavily stylized uh, racing salvage ship that somebody has mocked up in 3D modeling and just licks his lips and goes, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I don't care what she says, that looked mighty cool on the outside of the ship. And we spin away from Bosco, and we go to find Lars. Lars is down in the cargo bay, this huge echoing chamber, the arm from the salvage retrieval uh, gear, looming up above in the darkness, uh, that arm having been used earlier to retrieve the uh, the cryo chamber from outside, and now uh, returned to the innards of the ship, where it can be used to move around heavy items again, uh, ones that nobody wants to move by hand or by personal loader. What is it you're doing down here, Lars? Lars is kind of just um, still eyeballing that whole situation. Do, is it is it quarantined off right now? The um, the cryopod that we recovered. The cryo chamber itself has been cut away from the structure that was brought in with it, and it has been taken up to the med bay where it's okay. been attached to. The uh, the equipment, the tubes and such up there. Now, the the tangled mass of metal and plastics and tubing and uh, insulation and, and wall metal is all still down here, but the, the cryo chamber itself is gone. And so the cargo bay has that echoey, quiet feel to it that it sometimes has where it's all quiet down here and nothing really happening. Lars would actually uh, 
throw on his headset, um, pull his um, cutting torch, and go to work at tearing down the scrap and trying to salvage anything that is left over that looks like it might be useful, as well as uh, reducing it down to a pile of possibly sellable salvage, or at least scrap metal. As you are doing that, uh, what's the music you're listening to? It's it's actually like a couple of centuries old, um, and it, it's an old mix of actual real instruments, which are very rare to find, as well as overlaid by a lot of um, electronic uh, beat sounds and um, bass. Um, what sounds kind of like a cross between a violin and a guitar, if you can imagine that, um, as the real instrument, like some kind of odd New Age sitar or something along those lines, um, mixed in with a slightly trancey beat that he's listening to. Laid over with Lady Gaga vocals. <laughs> oh, no vocals on this one. That that's that's coming up in the playlist and a couple of songs down. <laughs> it, it's relaxing work for you. It's uh, it's nice, clean work. That's why you like salvage work, really. But at one point, you do come across something odd. Uh, you you're reaching into a a, a recess, and you're kind of trying to pry it out and open so you can get to a section so you can cut it. And your hand comes out covered in some sort of viscous goo. Oh, great! Like uh, like the uh, drool of a St. Bernard. <laughs> this is and it's not like hydraulic fluids or anything. It, it's You're not quite sure what this would be. Maybe some weird cryo something. You're not, a, you're not a med tech, but you haven't ever seen it before. Uh, is there a lot of it? Uh, there was a good handful of it there that you've come out with. You'd have to dig back around in there a little bit more to see. Ew. What is this? Uh, I don't know what that is. Um, maybe I should uh, check in with the doc and see if this is uh, what they call that uh, organic material. And I'll like scoop a bunch of it that I can find um, into whatever kind of canister I have handy, even if it's like a, a beer can or whatever that is nearby that I can use. <laughs> what just, a Bosco's just... beer can is nearby. Yeah. <laughs> Something like like a moonshine moonshine jug or something like that that was on board that I like scoop a little bit of it into it. You you get some of the stuff off of your hand into this container and then you reach in to try to get some more out and you come back out with something also very strange. Uh, it's like a translucent paper like material, but more rubbery than that. Oh, I guess. great! But almost almost see through. Like like a jellyfish. Sure. Okay. Because you're listening to your music and because you're looking at this in your hand and and so confused by it, you don't see the dark shadow that moves quickly from one shadowed area behind you, hidden by a large earth mover, to another giant piece of machinery that's back there in the dark, in the night. (laughs) Patience. Up on the bridge, you find yourself in a place that you're not really usually at. Uh, why are you up on the bridge? Maybe I'm delivering a report in person to the captain. I've written down pertinent details, uh, and I'm handing that to him along with my personal observations. 
Oh, thank you, uh, Patience. Um, yeah, so, uh, Patience, you're probably wondering why I had you bring these reports up here in person. Uh, how do you, um, how do you feel about Bosco and Lars? Well, what's your impressions? He kind of nervously almost, although Patience may not pick up on this, but he, he kind of nervously uh, reaches up and, like, scratches underneath his, his dreadlocks that uh, he's hardly ever messing with, but, but now he is. Now he's, like, scratching underneath the, the rows. Lars is meticulous, detail-oriented. He will take a job and complete it to 100% of his ability to do so, even though he's a little bit single-minded when he's doing so. Bosco may be said to be the complete opposite. Not enough attention, not enough time devoted to the task at hand. However, when he does set his mind to something, he's incredibly effective at it. How do you, um, how would you say that, oh, this is a strange question to ask. Um, where would you say their loyalties lie, if I asked it like that? It's not quite what I mean. I'm not sure I under- understand the question, sir. I mean, if if we were tasked with something here that was... Well, let's say, uh, dangerous or um, more questionable than uh, some of the things that we have had to deal with in the past. Uh, What do you feel would be their reaction? Well, sir, I'd have to say that depending upon the perceived danger of the task at hand, we might hear a significant amount of complaints from Bosco's direction. But if he were to be shown the benefit of pursuing the actions required by the task, he would put his mind to it. Lars might be tentative. He seems risk-averse, which is beneficial, of course, in the business of scrap collecting. Well, thank you, Patience. That uh, That is uh, in concert with my own thoughts on the matter, although it does surprise me about Lars, what you're saying. You, I would have said that he would almost certainly be uh, one to... F- Follow orders without question. Oh, he uh, certainly would, sir, unless the task at hand were shown to be overly dangerous without adequate measurable reward for its success. He's 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 loyal, but he isn't stupid. I doubt that he would put himself or his crewmates in an excessive amount of danger that didn't seem worth the trouble. And uh, and what about our good doctor, Doctor Shaw? She seems dedicated, private, intelligent. Not overly fond of socialization, and uh, she wears very strong perfume. <laughs> does it smell like cardboard and lace? Yeah. <laughs> you know, weirdly it does. <laughs> well, thank you very much, patients, uh, and thank you for the reports. I do occasionally like reading things in hard copy. Actually, it's not completely a uh, a uh, ruse to get you up here where you never come to the bridge. But you can go back to your engines now. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I leave. The next person who joins the captain on the bridge is Bosco. Hey, boss. Hey, Bosco. Um, yeah, I uh, just wanted to see you up here. Uh, how are you feeling about your piloting skills? Uh, Javier's going to be out of it for a little while. I mean, I ain't going to lie. I haven't spent a lot of time. Uh, in the old chair there, but uh, I feel like I did all right last time. I I can usually slide that old his old uh, his old bird of ours around wherever I want to. I guess that's great. Let me uh, let me set you up, and he starts tapping away on uh, his keyboard. I'm going to set you up with a uh, not training program, but this will uh, be a 
uh, more of a refresher. Uh, just like uh, make sure that you you've got some of the some of the nuances down. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that'd be all right. Yeah, yeah, do a little refresher. I mean, I'm sure I don't need it in anything, but uh, hey, better safe than sorry, you know. Okay. Better, better have it, not need it, than need it, and not have it. That's how that, I always say. That's good thinking there, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, while you're up here, a uh, couple of questions. Uh, some of the questions about some of the crew. Uh, what are your thoughts on um, on Lars and patience? Lars? Oh. I suppose he's all right. He's a bit of a show-off from time to time and a bit of a know-it-all. And I mean, he talked funny, too. Ooh, that voice, oh, just kind of great on you. But other than that, he's all right. I don't mind him. And uh, and our engineer? Patience? I don't know. kind of scares me a little, really. I mean, she seems to know what that? she's doing and all, but, like, I don't know. She seems to be more worried about what I'm doing half the time than what she's doing. She's always like... Bosco, do this. Bosco, don't do that. And I'm like, you know, you could just be doing stuff yourself instead of bossing me around. But hey, you know, I guess everybody's got to be who they are, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Bosco. Um, yeah. Let's see. Have you seen Lars here lately? No, nah, I seen him a little bit. We was down there messing around with that thingy we brought on board. But other than that. I headed back to my bunk, and uh, I, I feel like he did too, but I don't know. I'll let you get back to doing whatever you were doing. I uh, appreciate you coming up. Uh, and yeah, uh, just get on that in the next day or so, because we're, uh, we're headed toward uh, some um, some old like laboratory station that's been reconned. I, I haven't been there myself. You ever been to a place called Wednesday Station? Wednesday Station? Yeah, I was by there once before, but we didn't really get to stop much. But uh, yeah, yeah, a long time back. Mm, was that? Uh, that would have been back when it was still. Oh, let me look here. Um, yeah, that was a. Uh, it was a sojourner. Yeah, I had a cousin used to do regular runs out that way. And I was hoping maybe we'd meet up. I ain't seen her in a long time, but uh, but uh, it didn't work out. So, uh, but that's about it. Um, right. Well, anyway, um, you have a you have a a, a good. Uh, Good rest cycle here. Yep, yep. See you later, boss. Nice chatting with you as always. And even as you're leaving, he pulls down the uh, the mic that's attached to a, a cord. It's like full on CB <laughs> CB mm-hmm. microphone, and uh, he says, <clears throat> uh, "Mr. Larson, uh, uh, Mr. Larson, pick up um, wherever you happen to be, private line." And that goes out across the ship's mics. But shortly, no answer comes back. And I guess we might find out what's going on on board the Pescado Malo on the next episode no. of the Gothic Podcast. No, Lars. <laughs> oh, man. No, man. It was the goo. Beware the goo. The Gothic Podcast is a humor and horror actual play podcast produced by C. Patrick Nagel, starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery Lafournaise, Jesse Baldwin, and Richard Southard. Season 3 of The Gothic Podcast uses rules from the Alien RPG, produced by Free League Publishing and Monster of the Week, written by Michael Sands and published by Evil Hat Productions. Theme music is by Zoe Hovland and original artwork by Jared George Art. If you enjoy The Gothic Podcast, please like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Visit our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds, and check out our Patreon page. Thanks!
We lost Jesse. Oh no. We lost Jesse. We lost Jesse. But I'm not worried about syncing up his audio. Because right. he'll be back. He'll I'm be here. back. <laughs> but since we lost him then, I know that he'll be back. You guys are horrible. <laughs>